All right. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs um, for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep the special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jane. Hi, I'm Jane W. Be grateful, um, recovering compulsive overeater in this program for 22 years. Um, my abstinence is no continuous eating, and I've been able to do that uh, for 22 years. And um, for my food plan, it varies. Um, I don't have anything I cannot eat, but most days I will commit to staying away for certain foods that will cause me to um, sacrifice some of my sanity and serenity. And just for today, um, I know that's not God's plan for me, and I don't want to do it uh, either because I've been able to replace fear with faith. And I will always tear up and cry at this meeting because um, always given me a life. Uh, when I came in at 28, I was married, um, but I, it didn't solve my compulsive overeating. I was really, um, and also I'm the type of person that when I go on a diet, I'm already planning my meals, like what restaurants I'm gonna hit as soon as the diet's over, whether it's like three days or 30 days. And I was never a good long-term dieter. My top weight was 217 in high school. Um, I was obese, now I'm uh, less than that. Uh, first time I spoke at this meeting 10 years ago, I was less than I am now. Last year I spoke at this meeting, I was a little more than I am now, I think. Uh, but whatever it is, um, my sanity and my serenity, that's a daily reprieve because I have the disease of perfectionism. Nothing's good enough. And even when I was at my thinnest in this program, which is the thinnest I ever was as uh, since middle school probably, I was the, uh, the spiritual whole as newcomers welcome. Um, it takes a lot of courage to be here and identify. Please keep coming back. When I say this program saved my life, I'm not joking at all. It's, um, I was able to survive by eating. So food kept me alive. Um, but I always knew that one day I was just going to die a slow death because even though, you know, I probably looked okay on paper, um, I knew deep down inside my problem was not just because I was too fat, but that was too scary for me to tell anyone. Um, so, you know, it was much easier, more comfortable for me to say, oh, I'm too fat, I'm too fat. And that's my only problem. I'm nice, I'm smart, kind of, uh, cute, kind of, I don't know. I'm a good person. And if only I could get the weight off, everything would be okay. And I'm really grateful to this program for showing me that the solution has to be spiritual. Yes, I have to work on my physical recovery and the emotional recovery, but if I'm not working on my spiritual recovery, it doesn't matter uh, um, if you believe in God or not. It's just that I had to believe that I couldn't do it myself. I couldn't control this myself. And I already knew my life was unmanageable. Like what person gains weight between engagement and wedding? I don't know. I don't know about you, but I did. Um, just really grateful to the dressmaker that she had a, uh, some kind of intuition to leave, you know, like fabric, extra fabric. 
Um, and what kind of person like, you know, I'm the type of person that gains so much weight so quickly. And I don't even know, like, what it does for me because I know my misery is because I'm too fat. So why would I keep eating if I'm too fat? It just doesn't make any sense. And yet, you know, that was like what I was, I was like white knuckling everything. Like, God forbid you knew that I had character defects or what, what we call uh, step six and seven. It's like, God forbid you knew I resented you. But then God forbid I have flaws too. Like, just let me have my only problem. I'm too fat and life is going to be okay once I drop the weight. And I know from my 22 years here that God was with me no matter what weight I was at. And when I was at my thinnest, I was miserable. And I don't really remember how it felt, like how good it felt to be thin. I remember some of my old clothes because I still have some of them in my closet. But I cannot tell you how I felt in them if I were really that happy because I was dealing with a lot of issues that led me to the people program, which in turn working that program helps my abstinence, makes it easier to be abstinent. So if you wanna to talk to me about that after, happy to talk to you about that. But the thing is, I was just so uncomfortable with myself and the way that I didn't know how to deal with life. I really wish my only problem was being fat, but it wasn't. And this program gave me hope, it gave me the safety to really be okay with being myself. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I really don't want to be myself. And that hasn't changed. My self-will is to be a perfectionist, so I don't have to be myself. I don't have to be okay being myself. Like, who wants to be, like, okay, I'm calling myself. I don't really want to be myself. I want to be the perfect person so I know exactly what to say at what time and what social situation. I don't have to think about anything. You'll do for me what I expect you to do for me because I'm just, you know, perfect. Um, and once I get that weight problem out of the way, everything's going to be great. And that never happened for me. Um, and my gratitude is, it doesn't have to happen like that. Because I have a spiritual solution. It's in our literature. And you know, I was talking to a sponsor the other day, and I'm like, you know, and I just, you know, told the speaker getter, you know, I just shared last February, like, a month before the pandemic started in this country. And we're talking about literature. We're talking about OA approved literature. And, you know, we, um, Roseanne, our founder, relied on people she knew in Gamblers Anonymous. And, you know, we relied on the big book a lot. And I, I pretty much, I don't know a single person OA to, who doesn't own the big book. However, we, you know, the people in our program I think it started in 1965, eight, I don't know. But anyway, it took many years for them to come up with these two. And now they're actually on the new editions. And I haven't touched these in like years, okay? Like these, this is my first one in like, I don't know, about a 99 or 98. And then this one I bought before I have my kids and my son's 20, so it's been a while. But I realized today when kind of looking, I felt like God asked me to look at it and I realized that we have our own Ford, we have our own doctor's opinion, and we have our own story, Roseanne's story. And what when I read the Ford, I, I started like pretty much bawling because it is, they're talking about, you know, what I am, you know? And when you read the Ford in um, Ovaries Anonymous, um, you know, I'm just gonna read this. 
indeed, there's still a great deal we do not know about overeating. This was in the 90s, and we still don't know much about it. But we do know now that one's emotional life has a great deal to do with overeating. I believe that repressed anger plays a powerful role in this addiction. I feel that eating binges are often displaced tamper tantrums or rage reactions. I also believe that the roots of the condition can often be traced to the earliest times in our lives and to early and complicated family relations. Those who suffer from the problem and those who seriously engage in working in the area also know how malignant the condition is. This destructive aspect occurs relative to the victim's physical health, emotional well-being, social life, professional life, sex life, and economic life. And that's totally true for me. Um, and if you keep reading, pretty much lines out, oh, and the, the most important line for me, and this is something, this is why I have to keep coming back. This book describes the OA experience as told by various members through their own stories. These are moving and educational stories. They are full of struggle, constructive struggle and hope. Most important, they tell of enhanced compassion for self. Now for me, um, and I grew up Buddhist, I still am, and I have a lot of compassion or so I thought for others. I never once thought about having self-compassion or self-acceptance. It just wasn't in my vocabulary. For some reason, I just thought that if I accepted myself at this weight, I'm going to stay like this for the rest of my life. And that's just unacceptable to me. And never once consulted my higher power. Just help me stop compulsive overeating. I would pray at temples in my home country to help me lose weight. But I didn't really understand what that meant for a person like me. I'm not the type of person that can go to a conventional weight loss program, hit the goal, and stay there. It's just not, it's too painful for me to be at a lower weight when I realize that I'm still myself on the inside. There has to be a solution for my head. And that is why I feel that OA is, you know, the gift from my higher power for me. And it has been since I came in. And I hope I never leave because what it gives me is hope to be myself today, that it's okay to be myself today. I am working on myself. I work the steps, traditions, go to meetings. Um, and the, you know, the solution is in our literature. We go for fellowships so we feel like we can belong because I never felt like I belonged anywhere until I walked into my first meeting in Palms Park. It was a writing meeting Wednesday from noon to one sometime in April of 1998. Um, and also in the past 22 years, I've learned it doesn't matter if we eat the same way or not. You know, it's none of my business what you do with your food, what food plan you want, what abstinence you have. As long as it works for you, I support you. And I had to really get out of that because in the beginning, I was like, what do you eat? What do you eat? And then um, there was a saying back then 20 years ago that I don't hear that much and I'm grateful I don't hear that much is stick with the winners. And that really fed into my perfectionism because I have to find out who the winners are at a big meeting, like a serenity Sunday or something. And then I'm gonna like follow them around like you know a puppy dog and then wanna be their best friend or something. And then if that abstinence or food plan didn't work for me, I could blame them. That's the way I've lived my whole life. Like I don't wanna be accountable for anything. I want you to take responsibility for me. Because, you know, like my life is sad enough. I'm so fat. And what it says in the, old, in the forward I just read is, you know, it took me a long time to be willing to look into why um, 
I compulsively overate. Not that knowing why is going to help me stop, but there is a lot of pain in childhood. And, you know, I don't know if I would have such a problem with my weight if other people didn't point it out, but I cannot control what other people think about fat people. Um, you know, I thought things would be better now. I don't think they're better now. And that's my personal opinion. I still have to live in this world because I choose to be a useful human being and contribute to society. And that was the problem I had. Like, I wasted so much of my parents' money on private school and stuff. And I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know how to live. I don't know how to give back. I don't know how to make any money. And all of the solutions to all of my problems that I thought I had are in the steps. It, they're really in our literature. And when I read it, then I feel like, wow, my head was pretty, pretty similar to Bill W, to a lot of the people in the big book. And I wasn't even born when they wrote it. And, you know, my head is really similar to a lot of the newcomers and they're half my age or younger. So I have a head that I thought I was the only person in this world that had this kind of perfectionistic overthinking head. And with that head, I knew I had no chance in life. Um, I could, you know, breathe and eat, but I couldn't really do anything to feel useful. So I'd be walking around like a fraud. And one of the things, sorry if I'm jumping up and down, just so much gratitude, but it also reminds me of the, I can have a lot of gratitude and start to feel my immense pain and anger because I've just shoved it down for so long. And even when I wasn't overeating anymore or binging, I still was very, very, very fearful of knowing what I was so angry about, um, finding how the anger was God's message to me about what I need to do to recover. All those things, I kept shoving it and shoving it until, you know how there's that um, analogy about peeling the layers of the onion. So the first few years, all I could do was get my food in order and go to a lot of meetings and feel like I belonged and develop my, you know, uh, a few good friends that I could talk to. And I continued to talk to those people, even though most of them moved away. I mean, in LA is a big area. So moving away from me is like half an hour to 45 minutes on the freeway. I can call those people and I feel totally safe telling them everything. We don't need to tell everybody in our fellowship everything, but it's great to have one or two people or your sponsors that have a little God squad that can hold you no matter how much you feel like you can't handle your own emotions or reactions to life. And we learned so many things like, you know, in a, a few weeks ago, I was at a meeting and I heard that binging, binge stands for because I am not good enough. And I'm like, wow, that really summed it up for me. And why would I want to be good enough? That means I have to let go of perfectionism. You know, like what's good enough for me, for Jane and myself, well, it's definitely not what God's will of good enough is for me because God's will of good enough already happened. Like years ago, when I was born, I was good enough. I don't, I don't want to accept that because I feel that that means like I have to accept that I'm not perfect. But in God's eyes, I'm already perfect. So there it goes. It's kind of like, well, God, I want you to help me be more perfect. Um, and I really can't accept your definition for me, you know, and that doesn't work. And so I had to work the steps. I had to hear people share the miracles of recovery, self-acceptance, um, letting go of whatever way you control food, because that requires total surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's, you know, it's like I, the relief was I wasn't in charge of that. 
And the relief was I couldn't really look for a person that could help me get rid of that. So when, you know, when you go through the first three steps, it's, you know, I can't, um, God can't, I think I'll let God, it's because I really can't. And if nobody, you know, if there's one ounce of chance that I could take it back, I would. But in these 22 years, I've heard share and share again about how surrender works. Self-will doesn't work. And um, it's so, I make myself miserable when I hold on to self-will. Um, and when I choose to surrender, usually it's because I've tried taking back self-will. I try making another person my higher power in certain areas, but still I was taking my will back. Then I become really miserable, angry, angrier, um, resentful, discontented, irritable, uh, full of anxiety. And I think I, I did carry, like I have so much just general generalized anxiety because if I go around life thinking I'm not enough. I'm anxious all the time because I really like, who's going to know, you know, who's going to know? Because most of the time I cannot be with only my fellows. That would be awesome. But I have to be live in my area. I have to go out, walk the dog. I have to be a parent. I have to, you know, really be vulnerable. And if it weren't my, you know, conviction that a higher power greater than myself is holding me throughout all this. Why, how would I even have the courage to leave my house? I wouldn't, you know? And uh, that's like the miracle of this program for me. Like no matter how I feel on the inside, that can get better because this program is a program of action. And I heard recently in a meeting, love is an action. I don't care how I feel. I don't have to feel good to show love to you and myself because you guys show me how to do this in, in the literature. I mean, it's just like amazing because on the one hand, I have daily amnesia about what works, how it works. I need reminders of how it works. So I need to read the literature. I need to talk to somebody. I'm like, I need to hear shares. Sometimes I just look at my dog or my kids. And then, you know, it's like, there's so many reminders and little miracles and gosh shots throughout the day, and I'm willing to look for them. I'm willing to notice them. God just puts them gifts all over the place. Like something happened to me. Like even, you know, my ex-husband leaving me. It took like four years for me to realize that was God's gift for me, not something God did to me, you know, or something a person did to me. And God, it's, it's um, I, you know, I can accept God's gift. That doesn't mean I have to like him right now. I have to accept them though, because that's part of my journey of learning, you know, how to love myself and what I really need. And what I really need is usually not what I want. Um, and that happened with sponsors too. I would ask sponsors to sponsor me. And the people who said, no, you know, I learned in this program, rejection is God's protection. They just weren't the people that God meant for me to have. And that's okay. And the people that I have had sponsor me really, really, uh, you know, all they talk about, uh, not all they talk about, but they keep gently reminding me that this program is about self-acceptance. And if uh, there's in the second edition of the big book, page 449, Dr. Bob, I think he wrote, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. 
But it's kind of like I have to accept myself and the way I respond to life and the way that because of my thinking, I could easily do something with food. Doesn't mean I have to binge. I could easily do other things with food in the name of recovery and make it myself will again. So I really have to be careful because the more time I have, the more I realize I really don't know much. And that's a gift because when I think I know more, um, I tend to just ignore my higher power. Like my higher power, I believe, has always been on my shoulder, just gently telling me stuff, the truth. I just refuse to accept and I refuse to look at it that way because I wasn't ready to handle it. So to me, you know, when I first came in to have any kids, now I have two kids. They're all, you know, they're 116 and one's 20. And thank goodness they're, they're programmed kids because every, hopefully most of the things that come out of my mouth are from a higher power, not from my self-will. And I'm really grateful for that because I see the difference. Because a lot of times what I want to say is exactly the opposite of probably what a loving, caring parent would say. And yet I think that's the right thing to say. Um, and why would I know this? Because I check in with other people in this program. I need to check in with other people in this program. I cannot trust my thinking. I can trust some of my intuition because now I actually can pause long enough to hear that. And that's different from my thinking. But um, I really, this is not a program of thinking. I already came in as an overthinker, constant thinker, anxious thinker, perfectionist thinker. So why would I want to trust my thinking? You know, as much as I want, think I, you know, I'm a pretty good thinker. That doesn't help me in this program. Doesn't help me in my journey of recovery. And this, you know, what I'm saying today, it pretty much took me 22 years to really come to the place of acceptance that what I think I know probably most likely and thankfully doesn't work for me, for my recovery, it really doesn't. So I can stay humble and humility is uh, in step seven. Um, I can become the person that I really want to be because God is okay with that. Um, somebody at the OA birthday party a few years ago were passing around these. Um, it had one, one side was the 12 principles. I'm just going to read them because these are the gifts. That's 15 of, minutes. Thank you. Thank you so much. That I can have if I work program. Honesty is the first one, step one. And I'm going to read something. I mean, for some reason today, God, like, I'm not that organized of a person, but God gave me like some nudge to like clean out a drawer so I can like put my hair dryer in it after I'm done. And I found this paper and I don't even know the origin of this piece of paper, but it's from the big book, page 482. Oh my goodness. Um, I know the biggest word for me in AAOA is honesty. I don't believe the pro this program would work for me if I didn't get honest with myself about everything. Honesty is the easiest word for me to understand because it is the exact opposite of what I've been doing all my life. Therefore, it will be the hardest to work. None of us can claim to be perfect, only God is. Um, if I work on it every day, it will be easier to be honest with myself. Then getting and staying honest with other people will come automatically. I know I will be grateful for a chance to make amends to everybody I've heard in the past. So in my experience, 
um, it was much easier to be honest with others than to be honest with myself. So the honesty with myself really came last. However, when I read that, and I've always wanted to be an honest person, I had a very low tolerance for any kind of white lie. Like something like I told my grandmother, like when I was like, you know, 10 years old, I still carry and I'm almost 53. So that's the kind of mind that I have. I can always come up with something to beat myself up with. Like, why wasn't I honest at eight? Why do I have to say that little lie, you know? And um, to be really honest with myself is the scariest thing I will have to do in this, my lifetime, in my, in my experience, in my opinion. That's the last place I wanna go. If it weren't for the miracle of recovery in this program that I see day in and day out from all of you, I wouldn't wanna do this. Why would I wanna do this? It's so scary. And, um, but you guys have the promises, you know? And the other principles that I can have because I really want these principles in my life. Step two, hope. Step three, faith. Step four, courage. Step five, integrity. That's a big one for me. I really always wanted it, never thought I had it. And now I know how to get it, you know? I have the blueprint for living because of this program. And then there's willingness, step seven, my all-time favorite, humility. That doesn't, that means I never have to keep judging myself and comparing myself to you ever again. Brotherly love, step eight, discipline, step nine. Perseverance, step 10, spiritual awareness, step 11, and service, step 12. I just wanna, you know, end with, my gratitude for service. When I came in, um, as I said before, I kind of looked good on paper, but I didn't know what I was doing. Somebody said I could be a timer. Somebody said at the kitchen sink meeting on Saturday, uh, Saturday mornings at nine in West Hollywood that I could make coffee. And you know, it may be like amazing to hear that it took me to take a coffee commitment to start feeling useful when I was like 29. But that's what it did. I'm forever grateful for that commitment at that meeting. And many of you guys were at that meeting when I first started. I just cannot um, express my gratitude enough because I have a life today. And some of you may not even know how much you've helped me, but you have. Um, and this meeting has helped me so much. And if you're a newcomer, just keep coming back. There's no such thing as getting it right. And when, you know, like, you work with somebody, you listen, um, feel free to make mistakes because being human is what God's will is for us. Even though I don't want to be, I can accept that that's what I need to be because I want to recover now. I want the recovery. I want the happy, joyous, and free head. I want the uh, freedom from insanity. I want the freedom from control. I want um, serenity. Those things I actually, I know I need but now I actually want them. It took a while for me to really accept the fact that I want this and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So I think I'm gonna stop there, but keep coming back. I'm learning something new every day um, from people, uh, old timers and newcomers. And you guys are so courageous to come and to identify and keep coming back. I hope you've um, heard something that, you know, you, I, uh, you can identify with. If you don't, please go to six other meetings because there's always somebody here that has had some kind of experience, whether it's eating out of the trash, which I've done, um, white knuckling it to the other extreme, which I've done, um, doing some kind of like not saying anything, but then exploding at you because I think you should do, you know, all, all these kind of things that I thought I was the only one doing and I was insane and nobody could know about this ever. Other people have shared and they've done it. 
And that's yes. the reason why I can share with you today. Thank you so much. And uh, so grateful for OA. Thanks for letting me be of service. Thank you so much for your beautiful lead, Jane. And uh, it's now time for questions. So if you'd like to ask a question, please raise your hand by clicking reactions at the bottom of the screen. And Jesse, uh, you're first. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you so much, Jane, for your share. I was wondering if you could talk about um, sponsoring and how you started sponsoring and how that's evolved, uh, how you've evolved as a sponsor. Thank you so much, Jesse. Um, so my journey with sponsoring, at first when I was looking for sponsors, I identified with a person because I wanted that person, that person seemed like popular or cool. And I wanted that person to be my friend. Um, I asked my first sponsor because she shopped at a certain department store that no longer exists, but she was buying cool clothes that I really wanted to fit into. Um, and then later on, it didn't really work out uh, because of food plan differences. Um, and then because I have such a fear of intimacy, of being with people, of sharing who I am, I had to find sponsors, which I felt were so loving that they could accept anything I tell them about myself. And that's how I found sponsors. So um, the way I sponsor, um, I usually go through uh, the big book and the 12 and 12s. And um, it really is like not imposing my will. I was very fortunate because all my sponsors were programmed differently. There was no, like, you have to go to this many meetings. Although I was going to a meeting a day or more because I pretty much had no life, right? So that was a gift that I heard so many people do. So I just kind of did it. Um, but now I just feel that um, I pray to God to just put words in my mouth and I can only share my experience, strength and hope. And um, sometimes what everybody shares at meetings will kind of come into my, you know, sharing of my recovery as well. Um, and some people have already done it certain ways, like my four step, the first time I did the 180 questions in the how program. Um, the second time I did it by the big book. Um, I may want to explore more in, in the OA literature, OA 12 and 12 and Overeaters Anonymous, just because I haven't really touched OA literature, the two OA books I've been holding for five years because I you know, started to work the people program and I always go back to the big book. So I know for the spiritual solution, we all have the big book. I just need to really hear, because I do have the disease of amnesia, so I need to guide my sponsees and myself to more stories from OA. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the Zoom meetings because I can always listen to a fellow in recovery uh, in different countries, different time zones and different formats, which uh, sometimes I'm a little uncomfortable with, like some places don't clap, some places don't, you don't raise your hand, I don't even know, you know, and stuff like that. So I've been more um, accepting of different ways of working it and that helps myself too. So I'm not so rigid about what has to be perfect you know, sponsorship. Thank you for your question. Um, Melissa's next for a question. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for your share. It's so good to see you again, my friend. Um, can you share with us what your daily spiritual routine looks like? Thanks. Um, thank you so much for your share. Uh, usually when I get up, um, it's because of a kid or a dog. So um, I see that as God's way of getting me out of myself. And I know that um, 
dog spelled backward is God. So when I'm walking the dog, it's my connection to my higher power. And, um, you know, my self-will would be to keep sleeping or to not focus on other people. So I feel like God gave me other things to focus on to help me get out of myself. Um, as I mentioned, um, I had to go to the people meet uh, people program and I really have to work that program to help my abstinence be easier for me. Uh, so I've been doing that more. However, um, I do call my OA sponsor when I need to. I text friends from my original God Squad um, and the gift of having somebody you can text that knows your history. Because these, these people know, you know, my friends know me for 22 years. And they kind of have, we have, you know, I don't really have to get so into it or feel like I can't share anything because they see me when I was at my heaviest, thinnest, everything in between. And more importantly, they know my spiritual and emotional condition and mental you know, when things were going on. So most of what they know doesn't even have anything to do with food. So I call my friends and uh, when I'm discussing day-to-day -day life stuff, then my absence gets easier too. And then I can be of service by taking commitments. Um, my favorite commitments nowadays are speaker getters, newcomer contact, because my weakest, the tool that I hate using the most is the telephone. I really don't want to call you. Um, I'm shy. Like I'm very like, unless I have a job title. So if I'm newcomer contact, I have to call you because I'm newcomer contact. It's probably share the same thing like two years in, five years in, 10 years in, 20 years in. I just, I still need a reason to call. Like as if my own recovery is not quite enough a legitimate reason. Like I don't want to bother you with my own thing, but you know, I'll be of service and call you to see how you're doing. So that, you know, so service really got me got my recovery going and I'm really grateful that there are service positions. Yeah, highly, highly suggest that if you're any, anything like me, thank you. Oh, and at the end, I just say, God, thank you or God help me and I kneel. Yeah, I only have to kneel a few seconds. Thank you, God, God help me, God. Those are the easiest prayers for me and my favorite is the first step prayer. Thanks, Jane and Alejandra, you're next for a question. Hi, Jane. Um, thank you so much. I'm a bulimic. I'm a newcomer and I'm on a wait list for treatment. And I was just hoping you can impart some advice about what to do until then. It's going to be about two weeks. So, you know, things are feeling pretty rough. Um, thank you for identifying and for sharing that. Um, I know there are, uh, we have all different manifestations of our eating disorders in this program, probably at this meeting as well. Um, and I applaud your bravery for identifying as a bulimic. I hope that um, after the meeting, maybe you can get some numbers um, and I will find some for you. Um, because I wasn't, I was, you know, quote unquote, my only problem, I was really fat. There was no sense of, to me, urgency that I had to go to a program. I probably just had to find a diet. So it's a very different um, way of acting out of my eating disorder. I don't think we all like choose like, oh, I'm going to be a compulsive overeater or I'm going to be a bulimic or I'm going to be an addict. It's just the way that it is what it is. That's just the, the journey that we are on. Um, and 
what really helped me was talking to people that shared my particular manifestation of our eating disorder, which is binge eating, quantity eating. So I hope that uh, by sharing this, uh, people will uh, approach you that are bulimic. And please go to a meeting every day, uh, text me, just be in contact because we are not alone. If I ever thought that I was alone, I don't think I'd make it that far. I don't think that I would still be on this earth because I had just white knuckled being alone for so long that when I came in at 28, I was like, I can't be alone in this anymore. Like I just got married to the love of my life and I was still like wanting to binge or still binging. Like WTF, you know, that's just me like, and then I blame myself for that. So um, I just wanna let you know you're not alone and just call like people that you're comfortable calling. Um, keep sharing, keep going to meetings one day at a time. We only have today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know today, you, you know, we all have a chance at abstinence and we're all here. So this, this one hour is one of the best gifts from your higher power and my higher power that we're all together and that you're asking me this question. This is a gift to me that you've given me. And I hope that you just get enough to, you know, to um, stay abstinent today from bulimia. And then tomorrow morning, call me, call anybody. We all, all know what it's like. One day is really difficult, you know? And sometimes all I could do is go to sleep really early. So that day's over, you know? Because I don't wanna rely on my white knuckling or my self-will. So I don't, you know? And I hope I never have to, and you don't have to. I promise you don't have to. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for questions.